0: Amy. Um, yeah, we're going to continue in questions. So if you want to find John 13, however that is on your phone or your Bible or your iPad or, or whatever. Um, yeah, John, John chapter 13. We're going to be there today. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, last week, I missed you guys. Uh, we were down in, in Georgia at a, at a fall retreat for a student event that got canceled in 2020, so we were doing it last week, and so, sorry I missed all you guys at Oakley. I'm sure everyone was there at Oakley doing yard work last week, and it was great. Uh, but we're in John, John 13, um, and this week, uh, as, as um, you know, we're getting ready, uh, and, and we're thinking like, this is the way, uh, the, the, the funny thing is about the sermon, and, and looking through this passage, getting ready for today, is that um, it reminded me how forgetful of a person I am. Um... Like embarrassingly forgetful. Uh, one one thing that I do a lot that my wife drives her crazy, but also it's like great ammunition to make fun of me, is like I'll go into a room to get something, and I'll spend more time there than I meant to, and then I'll come out with something totally different. Does anybody else do that? Like like I can like I won't like I don't really like lose my keys or my wallet or anything that much, but like I'll forget why I like walked out of the house to do something, you know, like, I, like I'm going to like our shed to get like a screwdriver and I get outside and I'm like, it's nice today, you know, and I'll like end up like raking the yard and Anna's got both of our kids inside screaming and she's like, what, like, what are you doing? Like 20 minutes later, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Just came outside. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so if you have, you know, if you're online or you're back at the table, you're like, why don't you think of something that you forget a lot too? You can, you can draw a picture of that or something you forget. Um, and Because really, the, 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 the uh, question we're looking at uh, is, is, you know, we've been kind of looking at the questions through like this framework of the questions of Jesus. They show us who Jesus is, and they help us grow to love and trust him more. And the question today, honestly, I was telling the um, backstage praying before we, we come out and start the service, is it's been really hard-hitting for me uh, because the way I've been thinking is, is like if Jesus like came in and sat down across the table from me and asked me this question, um, I, I, I think it would be really embarrassing for me uh, because of how easily I forget things. And uh, so we're going to look at the first uh, 17 verses of John chapter 13, and then um, we're going to look at four things. And, and kind of the reason why I'm talking about forgetting and stuff is because there is a way that Jesus has given us to live and it's easy for me to to forget that way it's easy for me to lose track and and I often suffer from uh i don 't know where i've i 've heard it called this before i didn 't come up with it but I suffer from from gospel amnesia, uh, meaning the good news of what Jesus is and how it affects my life it's really easy for me uh to forget those things and 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 to to get lost and feel like man what like you know, in my journey following Jesus, whether you call that, you know, discipleship, apprenticeship, whatever that is, it, it's really easy for me to forget. And in the story, uh, we, we get kind of four, four wake-up calls, all right? So I'll go ahead and give them to you if you want to write them down or what, if you're real type A or you like scavenger hunts. I'll give you the four things, and then we'll kind of we'll walk through, we'll find them together and talk through them as we go through the passage. The, the, the kind of wake-up calls we get um, for gospel amnesia is what Jesus has done for us why he did it, who Jesus is, and what that means for us. So those are the four things we're going to talk through. And really, like, in this kind of wake-up call, um, the question Jesus asked for me was like almost like the alarm clock, like kind of like the, whoa, like, i got to wake up here. Okay, so, so let me read through the story, and then, and then, uh, and then you, we'll get the question almost right in the middle, and then we'll talk through it, all right? So John 13, starting in verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from the Father and was going, or from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, hey, what I'm doing now, you just don't understand, but afterwards you'll understand. And Peter said to him, no, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus said, and answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. To which Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed doesn't need to wash except his feet, but it's completely clean. And you, that's a plural you, so that's y'all, all all right, I might interject y'all sometimes because I'm from Georgia. And y'all are clean, but not every one of you are y'all. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why I said not all of y'all are clean. Not all y'all, all all right, if we're really from Georgia, not all y'all are clean. Verse 12, when he washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do know them. And I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture has to be fulfilled. He who ate my bread and lifted his heel against me. So, so you know, kind of. There's a lot of questions in this story. We're not going to get to cover all of them, but but we're going to spend a brief time in the largest section, verses one through eleven, because you remember I gave you those four four kind of wake up calls from from gospel amnesia, and the first one is what Jesus has done for us. Uh, See, it's easy to it's easy for us to kind of sit back and just like wait for like the next like big experience. Like, I think a lot of times I can even be guilty of of wanting an experience, like an emotional experience, more than I want Jesus himself, right? And I like, like, if you think back, like, the last few movies you've watched or the the TV shows you, like, binge or whatever, typically it's kind of centered around, like, a big dramatic event, right? Like, or maybe it's an action movie, like, like, have you guys seen, uh, like, a lot of the Marvel movies? Of course you have, it's 2021, but, like... Some of them are, like, overwhelming just how much, like, big action is going on. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy gave me a headache, you know? Like, there's just, like, lights and all this stuff. And, or, like, we're, we're, like, addicted to, like, like, dramas, like TV shows where we're just waiting for that big cliffhanger, like, gut punch at the end of it. Like, we want that big kind of gasp, like, life change moment, right? And that's kind of what we're, like, waiting on in life all the time. And I think with Jesus, that's what we're waiting on. Because if if we're setting up the story, we're like, okay, Jesus knows he's about to die. Like, he knows he's going to Jerusalem, and if we're in the minds of the disciples, all the people that have been following Jesus, hearing from Jesus, they're waiting for, like, all the things that they had heard about in their history, where, like, this leader comes up, God, like, spends years preparing this guy, he comes, and then he's going to go to the city of God, and he's going to, like, overthrow the evil Roman Empire, and, and, and Jesus comes in, he's in Jerusalem, you know, like, if, if you're thinking, like, like Palm Sunday, they're, they're all praising him, like, he's excited, like, everybody's waiting for this big, climactic, like, boom moment, where he, like, goes and raises up an army, and takes over, like, an armory, and gets a bunch of swords, and gives it to the peasants, and there's an uprising. Like, that's what everybody's think Jesus is about to do. And it's easy for us to think, like, okay, like, to put him in their feet, in, in that situation, Like to think like Jesus, like the climax of the story is here. And Jesus does something, as is kind of typical of Jesus, something just totally different. Because what he chooses to do is to wash everybody's feet. And it's something that, like, we have to come to terms with that's hard for us today. Because, like I said, we're addicted to the busy. We're addicted to the big. We're addicted to, like, the life change, the experience, the, like, you know, the football game that comes down to a field goal. Like, that's what we want. Right? But instead, like, most of the time, like, it's a mustard seed. You know? Jesus picks up the little kid, puts him on his knee, and says, hey, you got to be like this. Like, kind of the most unassuming pervasive thing in in the society because here's the thing to wash G, for Jesus to wash their feet was like really scandalous like like super weird like so there's this thing called the Mishnah the Mishnah was basically like in Jesus time like uh, all the rat, like some of the like biggest, well-known, smartest rabbis of the day wrote like a commentary on the, on the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So they would expand on all the stuff. So like, what does work on the Sabbath mean? They like broke that down into like 30 something categories and like, you can do this, but not if, if you sweat, but like, you can do this because that's a, like, so they broke it down. So when it came to foot washing, you know, what they do, so think about it, like it's sandals, it's desert, it's dry, it's dirty, there's animals everywhere. And so whenever you would come in to eat, what would happen is, is someone who is like not considered worthy enough to eat at the table with all the grown-ups, or with all the, at least like the, the, the adult men, uh, those were the people that the, that like the, the Mishnah would say, like the, the, the best of the best would say, like, okay, they're allowed to clean feet. you know, like you got your servants, and you got your, your kids, and you got this, because they're not going to eat at the table with you anyways, so you don't have to worry about them messing up your food. And so then for Jesus, the rabbi, their teacher, the one they called Lord, uh, when he washes himself, what he's saying is, he's kind of given a precursor for what he's about to do. Because instead of that big climactic boom moment where he overthrows the Roman Empire, he says, hey, I'm actually going to do something that's a lot more undercover than you think. I'm going to humble myself, and, and I'm going to serve you. So, But, but for us, we're kind of looking in retrospect, right? Like we have, it, we have the hindsight. Um, so for us... What we see is we see a picture of Jesus, what he did for us is that he cleaned us or he cleansed us. He washed us clean. Um, that's what he did for us. See, it's, it's like kind of weird um, to talk about this in today's culture because like the idea of being like dirty or messed up to begin with just doesn't sound right to us. Like the word sin, like outside, like unless you grew up like in a church, like setting The word sin is just like almost like totally taboo in our culture now. Uh, Timothy Keller, he's a really smart guy. He's a pastor, a theologian. He, he wrote, he's got a great little book. If you're interested in like, man, how can I relate to my neighbors better? How can we like, how can I do a better job of like connecting with people around me and serving them? He wrote a great, it's like, it's like 30 pages called How to Reach the West Again. It's free. You can download it online. It's great. And he wrote... Uh, kind of his like thesis of that of that little tiny booklet uh, was he said this he said um, today 's culture believes the thing that we need salvation from is the idea that we need salvation. Um, like the idea of just being clean's like what jesus did for us it 's even like I, I find myself um, even like when I go like I, like last week I was speaking at like that student retreat last weekend, and um, it 's it's even hard for me because I know the culture. Like, when people are coming, it's, it's even like, I'm like, man, do I even use the word sin? You know? Because it just doesn't connect. It doesn't even exist in vocabulary nowadays. And, and like, we grow up thinking that. You think, like, man, not for us, not our kids, whatever. Um, but, like, think about it. Um, the like, kind of the, like, salvation. All right, so, so we're going to get a little nerdy. Is that okay? A little nerdy. Okay, like, if we're talking philosophy and sociology language, um, kind of the, like, salvation scheme of the day is that everyone was born with this innocent, perfect little child inside of them. And somewhere along the way, whether that was from trauma or relationships or, or false hope or whatever, uh, something uh, ruined that, that innocence. And man, if we can just figure out who we are and express our authentic self, then we'll be free. But that's kind of the way like we think about stuff um, it's almost like set perfectly in the great Scandinavian uh, queen, Elsa of Arendelle, uh, right? Like in the first, in the first movie, uh, she's, she finally like lets go of all her inhibitions and lets out who she truly is on the inside and she's on top of the mountain and she sings, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free, right? And then it's followed up with the great like hoorah moment for Elsa at the end of the second movie whenever she is in that like, weird kind of ice castle thing. Is anybody tracking with me? All right, like, like, okay, so she's in this ice castle thing, and she's singing, and you realize, like, oh, the thing that's going to make her the most powerful and set her free is just, like, herself, right? She's like, oh, I'm the one I've been looking for. Great, and then she becomes powerful and saves everyone, and it's great, right? Like, that's kind of, and, like, this is what we just grow up thinking. Like, we grow up thinking, like, man, if I can just get to a point Where like I can just be who I am and no one can tell me otherwise, then I'll find true freedom. And it's just probably not a coincidence that like anxiety is out of the roof right now, right? Because it just it just doesn't work. Because it goes against the way we were created. Like it goes against the salvation scheme of the Bible, which is like God did create us and we're very good and he loves us, but because of our our broken condition as humans, man, we are separated from God. And like like we have sinned and we do sin and and it's like we're constantly torn between this like we're too human for our own good while we're also like not quite good enough humans right because if we were like the perfect human we'd be like Jesus and that's the goal yeah but but since since like the third page of the bible man we just have constantly been been messing that up and and the the image that we were supposed to bear we just keep looking like other things like we just keep replacing the image of God with other things and we become what we worship so eventually Jesus came down and said hey you're never going to make it on your own so so here's what I'm going to do he came down and and he lived that life that, that we could never live that perfect life and and he he died the the death on the cross as payment for our sins Now and forever, and and the Bible says that by his blood we have been cleansed. And that's like the great paradox of salvation, is that in reality we, we, we need to be cleansed. It had to be Jesus coming, like humbling himself. In Philippians 2 it says though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, which is what Adam and Eve did in the garden when they took matters into their own hands. But he emptied himself, which is the opposite of what Adam and Eve did. And he took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Total one eighty switch there because you thought it was going to say he didn't count it equality with thing, a thing you know to be grasped. He became a servant, born in the likeness of man, and he, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, so the thing that Jesus has done for us. This first kind of wake-up call out of, like, gospel amnesia is that he cleansed us through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And and for a lot of us, if we just understood that point, like, understood it, like, me, myself, like, honestly, I don't know if it's, like, because I'm young or, or if, like, every pastor kind of goes through an existential crisis, like, while they're supposed to preach on Sunday. But, like, as I've been preparing and planning for this week, it's like, Man, if Jesus, like I said, if Jesus sat down across the table from me and asked me, do you understand what I've done for you? And I said, yes. I just wonder how many things Jesus would be able to say, well, then what about that? Or what about this? Right? Or like, why, why, why this then? Because if I understood that he's cleansed me, one, I'd have a lot less guilt because, because Faith is believing what John, later reflecting on the life of Jesus, wrote to a church where he said, hey, if you, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So man, like, do I understand what Jesus has done for me? And a lot of us, I mean, we might understand that, but the question for a lot of us, we hear all this and we think, but like, why would he do that? Some of us are natural skeptics and we're like, but why would Jesus do that? Okay, I understand. I've heard this story before. That sounds good, but I just can't understand why he would ever want to do that. And in verse one, he tells us right there, at the end of verse one, having loved his own who were in the end, he loved them to the end. I mean, see, you could like, like phrase it however you want. Look at the Bible however you want. I mean, you know, I, I, I would. this is where it's harder for us. A lot of us, if you're like me, you kind of grew up with a theology and in church where like your theology kind of started at, at chapter 3 of Genesis, which was the fall. And so you're just, it's like constantly like, like man, like God, God hates sin. And that's true. And like God hates sinners and like, man, that, like this stuff. But if your theology starts at chapter 1 of Genesis, it's that God did all of that. He, he came to redeem. He came to call you back to reconcile that broken relationship because he created you to bear his image and you're very good. Very good. I mean, most of us, that's like a hard thing even for us to grasp, but the reason why all of this happened, the reason why Jesus did what he did is because he's going to love you until the end. And that's why. That's why he did it. For a lot of us, Man, the wake-up call that we need is just to hear that you're loved. And, man, like that sparks a lot of emotions in us, like a lot of hard things right now. But it's true. That's a motivating factor. I mean, why did Jesus do it, man? Because he knew he, was about to, he knew what was about to happen. Like he knew the cross was on the way. He, he knew the beatings were on the way. He knew the, the tomb was on the way. But, man, even more than that, he knew that the resurrection was on the way. And he knew that that opportunity, that new life, that's totally changed when you're, when you're cleansed of your sin because of his love. And he knew all that was coming. So that's the motivation. That's why he did it. Man, Jesus spilling his blood for us, you might as well call it a love story because that's what it is. And if you say, I just can't believe that, I can't believe that God would want to save me, uh, let me free you up. Take some pressure off yourself. We're, we've all messed up. And the fact that you're at an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus that he does love you and he died for you is proof that he's still got a chance. Still got a chance. He still loves you. So then we get to the question, Jesus asking, do you understand what I've done for you? And look at verse 13. So so we see, we've seen what Jesus did and we've seen why he did it. These are kind of wake-up calls. Uh, The third wake-up call we get is in verse 13 where he says, you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, for so I am. See, a lot of times, like, like, we're like, okay, that that's that's good. Well, I understand what he did, but but like, why is it so important? Well, because we have to we have to understand, like, a good wake-up call uh, is we have to understand who Jesus actually is. It's not like a Jesus that we get to create in our own mind and hope it's right. That's another one of the great lies like that we grew up kind of believing, is just because I think something, it's true. <laughs> like that's not how it works. You know, even if we think something different about Jesus than he says, like, that doesn't make it untrue. You know, like, there has to be an authority higher. And look what he says he's called. He gives himself, like, a two-fold name. Like, you guys call me these two things, and you're right. You're dead on. You guys call me teacher, which is just kind of our, like, modern English way of saying, like, they would say rabbi. Like, you call me rabbi, and you call me lord, and you're right, because I am. And when we think about Jesus kind of in that twofold thing, and we understand who he actually is, uh, that's when we can really kind of get shaken out of this like amnesia from the gospel because that's when uh, we like that this is where some of the accountability really comes into play like a lot of that was kind of internal this is this is like some external stuff kind of wake up calls because if we call him Rabbi um, Fred talked about it like. Um, in the Thrive series, uh, the word rabbi, the, the education system then was totally different. Uh, they didn't have schools the way we have them. You know, we think about, we think about like school and learning and teachers as knowledge. Um, they weren't as concerned with knowledge. They were more concerned about like what you do with the knowledge. Like we grow up, our culture, we think how, uh, they think why. Okay, so, so that's a little different. That's why a lot of times like, like Jesus often spoke in parables, because to understand a parable and what it meant for you, it's, okay, what do I do with what I know versus what do I know? Okay, so, so a rabbi, what they would do is, um, you'd follow this, this person who was very smart, lived a life according to God's law, a life of wisdom, or what they would call a life of Torah, and you would follow them. And they even had a saying that would say, may, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Meaning like you, you, were, you were so associated with like closeness with them That, you know, when they're walking down the street, the dust would cover you. Or you're sitting at their feet hearing them talk all the time. And so when Jesus says, hey, you call me me rabbi, hey, you're right. Okay, so for us, that means, like, like the natural response would be for us to follow Jesus. That's where, like, discipleship becomes more than just knowledge. It has to become actually living the way that Jesus gave us to live. The, the life of prayer, the life of abiding with God, the life of, of fasting and service and love to others. I mean, he gave us a way that we're supposed to live. He's the way, the truth, and the life. That's kind of like the rabbi all wrapped up into one. You live a life with him, you listen to his truth, and you follow the way that he lived. But then he also said the word Lord. That's it. We, we miss some of that because in their context, all right, so, so let's just think back just for a minute. We're, we're first century Jews living in a in a uh, in a Roman Empire that's taken over your like ancestral land, all right. So so you're like sitting here thinking, like man, my, like my family land that God promised to us, like all the way back to Abraham, like we had that. There was a time of peace, but now like these evil Romans have come in, and I've got to pay taxes based on my land, and, and like even go into Jerusalem for the for for like. All of our sacrifices that we've been doing for thousands of years as a culture and as families and all of the generations of my people. We're going to Jerusalem, but like even to just sacrifice, I have to pay taxes. Like even to like do the like most basic thing to remember, you know, they're there celebrating Passover. Like they would have had to have go like pay the temple tax in order to just get in the temple to pray and stuff. And so constantly, what they would do is they would set up um, you know, like statues, like we've all seen, like in, you know, history class and stuff, like the statues, like from the Roman Empire, that they would sit all around of Caesar, and they would have signs outside of cities as you come in that says, Caesar is Lord. And so then, for Jesus to say, you call me your rabbi, and you call me Lord. Like that, like, that's kind of, that, like that's pretty wild. That's a crazy mix. For us, and like I said, in hindsight, like we kind of know the end, right? We know that Jesus rose from the grave, like making himself victorious over all rulers and kingdoms. So like we kind of say these things, especially with Christmas coming up, like we just like sing songs with like these really deep meanings that are like fun, you know, which is great, which is great. I'm not saying that's a bad thing because if we can sing, you know, the Frozen soundtrack, then we can sing Christmas songs too, that's great. But um, what I'm saying is for him to say, hey, you call me Lord and you're right to do that. Uh, You know, it would have been for him to basically say, hey, like not only... Am I your teacher? But I'm also your king. And for them, I mean, I think it probably would have been a, even a little odd because if you look back through the Gospels, they really didn't call, like the disciples themselves didn't call him Lord in that context that often. So once again, Jesus is foreshadowing to what he's about to do, and he's, about, he's like claiming some authority over things that, that they weren't ready for. But, but when, we, when we remember, when we put all of it in context, and we remember, he says, hey, All right, this is what I've done for you. I've cleansed you. And I've done it because I love you. And I'm also the one you're supposed to model your life after and submit to. Like, that's kind of all the things. So what I'm hoping to do is I'm hoping to, like, when, you know, Amy said earlier, this is the way. That was a little uh, Mandalorian reference. For those of you who don't know, it's on Disney+. Plus. You should have seen it by now. It's 2021, Okay. Uh, you know, you can steal your Disney Plus login from your aunt, and it's fine. You know, get on, watch The Mandalorian. If you're not into Star Wars, it's more of like a Western than it is a Star Wars thing. It's just got aliens. But, anyways, um, sorry, the way. So, Rabbi, Lord, um, when you're when you're thinking about this is the way. When you're thinking about like, okay, it's almost like Jesus is saying this is. He, he's coming to a point where he says, hey. You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right. You're exactly right, because I am. And look what he says. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Um, and this is not him saying that like washing feet should be like an ordinance of the church, like with Lord's Supper or something. What he's saying is, you should humble yourself, because, he keeps on going, he said, if, like, no one's greater than their master, and no disciple's greater than their teacher. So if I've done this, you should do this. When we recognize who Jesus is in light of what he's done and why he did it, there's not really a great reason for us not to follow him with everything we have. Like there's no real reason for us to do that. And this isn't like a guilt trip. This is the part, like I said earlier, where like, I don't know, like can I get up and preach this when I myself have things in my life that like I've not fully integrated in. Man, I, like, I've still got idols I'm trying to, trying to kill. You know, like, I, like, I've still got these things. But for us, if we understand who Jesus is, what he did, man, I love the way he kind of he ends there, right? Like, if I've done it, um, like what he said, if you know these things, verse 17, blessed are you if you do them. Kind of becomes like a, like a mantra, of Jesus in chapter seventeen, early, or chapter twelve, just before this, he gave like some pretty like strict warnings about people who hear what he says but doesn't do them. You know, because if because if we are really like if we understand who he is, what he did, and why he did it, then the last question, the kind of wake up call for us, kind of comes to like okay, then, so like what do I do about it? Like what does this mean for me? Like like what does it mean for us today? In Western North Carolina in 2021, like, what does it mean to humble ourselves and serve as Jesus served? What does that mean? And and I think the motivation becomes really important there uh, because there's a difference in serving out of love and serving out of duty, right? Um, Like, when I was a kid, I hated getting dressed up. I still actually don't love it. Like, to me, this is about as dressed up as I really care to get. I'll do it, but I don't want to. Okay, so if you ever see me in a coat, just say a little prayer for me, because I've got a bad attitude, most likely, just, and I grew up a pastor's kid, so there was all kinds of fun Sunday morning fights in, in our household growing up, um, but like, so like, I, but I would do it out of duty, right, like, because my parents said so, and I would just do it, I'd get it done, but, like, later, fast, you know, so, you know, think, like, high school, my wife and I started dating, and we would go out on a date, and I was like, I've got an iron a shirt, you know? Like, I look terrible. And so I'd iron a shirt. But at that point, I wasn't doing it out of duty. I was doing it because I wanted to look good for her. So there's a, there's a big difference there, right? Like, like, a little more practical. Like, anybody ever started a Bible in the year plan? How fun is that? Right? Like, let's see, it's November. We should be somewhere in, like like, Acts. How we doing? <laughs> That's not to shame us. I'm just saying, like, the first few weeks... Any New Year's resolution, the first few weeks is fun because you're not doing it out of duty. You're doing it out of like the love of the idea of like whatever, losing weight or running a 5K or whatever. Like you kind of set your goals toward whatever. Like man, I'm like I'm gonna be just like Jesus after I read through the Bible. And then it hits like March, right? And a lot of people blame it on like the part of the Bible you're in. I think it's less that and more that it starts to feel like a checklist. Yeah, and that's not a shame. Don't 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 feel. I mean, I'm I'm not about a Bible and a year plan. I gave those up a while ago, full disclosure. Um, But, like, when it it starts feeling dull, and that's where it changes, like, the difference in, like, service and doing things out of love versus guilty obligation are two totally different things. Um, Like, just in our sanctification process, meaning, like, we learn to love things less than we love God. Um, Like, it becomes a point, have you ever caught yourself, uh, you're like, you're like, I'm just not going to do this thing. Like, I'm just not going to, like, I'm just not going to talk bad about people. Or, like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And you kind of like the, like, white knuckle holiness. You know what I'm saying? Just like the old-fashioned, like, I'm just not going to do it. And then next thing you know, you feel even worse because you're like, man, this is no longer, like, self-control. This is pride control. Yeah? Yeah? Or, like, it makes it seem a little more real when Jesus said, like, man, you clean out that one spot just so seven more can enter. Like, that feels a little more real at that point, right? That's not not working. And then with service, like, if you're doing it out of duty, what happens is when you serve someone out of duty and you accomplish it, like, let's say, you know, like, if for whatever reason I went home this afternoon and decided to to, uh, vacuum out our minivan, right? I would get done with it, and I would feel great. Because I just did it out of just like having to get it done. But it wouldn't be like self-emptying. It would actually be like, like self-promoting. Because you just, and there are things like that. It's a simple example. But like there are things like that you just like white-knuckle, get it done. I'm doing this out of duty. Even if you love people out of duty. At the end of it, when you finish it, you, you ended up honoring the service itself and not the people you're serving. Unless the motivation is love. Love is the game changer, the motivation of why Jesus did what he did. And so now, now you, we have kind of those four wake-up calls of, of the, the gospel amnesia, right? What Jesus did, why he did it, who he is, and what do we do about it. And so I'm just going to ask, it's like, like to personalize it just a little bit for us. If, we, if Jesus were to come this evening, and sit down at a table with you, and ask, "Do you understand what I've done for you?" Which of those four areas stuck out to you, and you're like, "Man, that's that's the one I gotta I gotta work on. I need to take some time to pray and think through that this week." I mean, for me, it was just full disclosure. Um, it, it was what He did for me. I mean, honestly, like that sounds silly to say. Like I'm a I'm a pastor. Um, but, man, thinking through today, like, I can so often forget the full implications of the life and death of Jesus that, like, I just start doing things out of guilty obligation. Like, for me, that typically is where my other ones flow. For some of us, it's, it's, it's the motivation. You're like, man, I can remember the stuff. I can do it. But, like, man, like, I forget that that it's out of love uh, for whatever that is. And so, and I kind of, you know, want to, like I said, just, just get us to think on that because we're going to, Take communion in just a moment, um, and and then um, when we do that, when we do that, it, it ultimately is. Uh, there's kind of a few directions that that we can think through or look to um, as we're doing communion. We 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 look up because we remember that ultimately God is the one. Jesus came from God. God. He was sent by the Father to save us to call us back to Him, and and we know that God's the one. We think of Psalm 23, that he sets the table before us. But then we, we look back, too, because we remember that what Jesus did. I mean, when we take the, 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 the cup and the bread, it's a symbol of his blood that he spilled for us, making the new covenant, cleansing us from our sins, breaking his body. And then we look to the future, too, because we remember that one day, Jesus said, after the, after the last supper, he said, I'm not going to do this again with you guys until the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so as we're thinking, man, he has a table prepared for us that when he comes back and, and greets us, we are going to be able to feast on him forever and no longer need anything else. We're not going to need food. We're not going to need sunlight. We're not going to need anything else. We're going to have Jesus himself to, to sustain forever. And so as we're taking the Lord's Supper, let me just kind of give a disclaimer. If, 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 um, if you're a believer and you've been following Jesus, uh, maybe you've just kind of felt that, that the the fire for him, the love and the passion, just kind of come down to like a coal. Maybe it's just kind of kind of cooled cooled off a bit. Um, man, I hope that these reminders that who Jesus is, what he did, why he did it, man, I hope that that this is a time to kind of fan that back into a flame of love for him. Um, if you if you're not a believer, let me just say we we do this. We take the Lord's Supper very seriously. Uh, because we, we believe that it is a remembrance of what he did for us. And so um, the table, we, we call, you know, call it the Lord's Supper. We call it communion. The table is set for us to come and rejoice and, and feast in the goodness and the grace and mercy and love Jesus has shown through his life, death, and resurrection. So if you're not a believer, man, let me just invite you today. And the table's set. Jesus has already done everything you need to come to him. When you place your faith saying, I believe that you're enough, Jesus. And I want to I stop whatever you call it, sinning or, or caring more about what I think than what you think or, or whatever it is. You just say, Jesus, I believe what you did. I believe who you are and I want to follow you. So we'd love to have you join us today. And so Cam's going to pray, uh, play for us. and, And I think, um, just take a minute just to pray. Um, and, and maybe, you know, there is something like me. I, this week, I really had to think through sharing the sermon, um, Taking the Lord's Supper with you guys because I had things in my heart that I had to take care of. And so maybe just take a minute, um, take care, confess, act on your faith right now with that first John verse in mind that if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive. There's no reason to live in condemnation. There's no reason not to come to Jesus wherever you are today because it's an act of faith that He's forgiven you. So just believe that there's no more condemnation. And so we'll come up whenever you're ready, get your cup, sit back down, and then I'll lead us through. Um, taking the, the cup and the bread. Jesus, we remember that this is your blood that you shed for us to cleanse us from our sin and to allow us to draw near to you. You can take the cup. Jesus, we remember that this is your body that you broke for us taking on the payment for our sins. You can take the breath. Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. God, that while we were still enemies with you, you sent him to bring us close to you, Father. We thank you for that. And God, we uh, just, as we remember the sacrifice of your son, uh, remembering that there uh, had to be, there's always had to be a payment for, for sin, uh, God, we, we know that we don't have to live uh, thinking that, that we are sinners, God, because when you see us, you see your son Jesus, because he died in our place, and then he rose from the grave, making new life possible with you now and forever. God, as we come to you and we close out in song, Father, I pray that, that um, we know that your spirit searches us, God, and, and convicts us concerning uh, sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, Father, call those things, and God, give us strength, to bring those to you, and then uh, remind us of your grace that allows us to move past them. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.